Welcome to our After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. Welcome back to the After the Bell podcast brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. It's Georgie here again, Director of Learning and Development for the Classroom Partnership and returning to focus on our series of podcasts on edu habits. And joined again, we're here, are Helen Morgan, a previous head of school and Andy Bridge, current deputy principal. Both Andy and Helen are associates of Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Edger habits are extremely relevant within the educational arena and we're going to unpack what they are again and also explore the second habit, which is, is anyone listening? So I hope there are a few of you listening here today. Um, We're going to explore the habits in detail um, and think about what we can do to make sure that you have these habits daily practice to help you thrive and survive and be successful. So, Helen, could you start just by sort of giving us some information about what edu habits are and how they make us highly effective people within education? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's an interesting question that and probably what you want is an answer in a nutshell where I feel like I could waffle with this. But I think habits are, are things that you do regularly that just help you to be more consistent and more effective um, in your role. And I suppose what we're looking at within these podcasts are habits that aren't just linked to education, but that can have um, a real purpose within an educational context and be really helpful for teachers, associate staff and school leaders alike. Yeah, wonderful. I think that's great in a nutshell. So they're things that they, they've been built on sort of other sort of theories and, and development history and theory. Um, you've heard, You will have heard of Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Successful People. Um, but these are sort of more targeted in on sort of modelling and um, things that you need to sort of develop in yourselves to make sure that you're the most successful you can be within education. Um, Andy, is there anything you want to share from your perspective before we start unpacking the second habit? Just the idea, I think Helen said there um, you know, about these kind of things that we incorporate into our practice. And then we're going to unpick a little bit more in future podcasts about habits and how we build them. And it's that process of moving something from being deliberate to automatic, um, which is you know, it's a kind of deliberate staged process to get through. But once you've got that ingrained and it becomes automatic, and doesn't require that thought process. It's such a powerful thing to have um, embedded. You know, if if these things are just going to come automatically because they're so routine to you, it doesn't require the the thought. That's really powerful if we can develop those things. I think I think Helen referenced it earlier um, around another discussion about falling in love with the process of things. So hopefully, as we go through this, you'll be able to develop these habits and fall in love with them as we as we move through. So our second habit is around, um, and we called it: Is anyone listening? Um, all educators listen, but to what extent and and how they listen, and are they intent and are they present and and that can vary from situation and person. But being available to listen to people and being genuinely interested in what they have to say can have a significant impact on how people feel. Um, And 
also in the opposite, when educators don't listen and it can result to frustration and people feeling negative and often confusion and conflict. So what we're looking to do here is unpack, is anyone listening? And think about what great listening looks like and why it matters. So I'm going to hand over to our listening expert here, which is Helen. Um, and why is it important to anyone that is anyone listening? Uh, that's uh, and it's such a great question, isn't it? Why is listening important? Um, when I think about kind of education, um, you know, teachers and school leaders um, often get involved in in teaching because um, they love their subject, they love working with young people, um, they believe they can make a difference, but they also love to talk. Um, and you know, I can say that from personal experience. I love to talk. Um, and teaching is a great profession um, for that. But I think, you know, I'm an English teacher, I'm like Andy by trade. And it's really important that we pair speaking with listening. And I think when we think about good habits as, you know, teachers or as leaders, um, it's really important to make sure that we get the balance right with listening and, you know, not superficial listening not listening just to fix things or give our opinions or find solutions, but really kind of listening to understand what people are saying, their perspective, you know, their, I suppose, their position, their context. And taking time to do that takes real discipline. It takes real discipline not to interrupt people. Um, it takes real discipline not to try and just give people the answers and fix everything, but actually to ask questions maybe and help them find their own solutions or just to give them the space to get something off their chest as well. Absolutely. And and, and I think we're, we're all guilty of not pretending, but not actively listening. Um, and we do that, be it with our, our family, you know, our colleagues and, and within education, our pupils as well. We think that we're listening, but are we truly listening to, to what they're trying to say? And actually being present in the moment as well is so, so important. Um, Andy, what happens when someone doesn't listen properly? Have you got any examples or, or can you feel, sense the impact at least? that can happen yeah I think it's so easy to do when um you know, like most professions like when we're when we're busy we've got loads on and I'm really guilty of cramming too much into my day and you end up sitting in a meeting or a discussion and you're not really listening because your mind's on the meeting that you've just had or the meeting that you've got in half an hour's time or the lesson that you've got or whatever you've got going on in your day um and it just ends up being unproductive because there might be six people around a table having a discussion all pretending that they're listening, all nodding along, but they've all got other things on their mind. And suddenly everyone walks out of the room, you've spent an hour discussing something and you're not all on the same page because everybody's not quite got to the same agreed actions or not got the same understanding of, um, you know, what agreement you've just come to because everybody was only half attentive and had half an eye on their emails that were coming through to their phone, half an eye on the reminders that were flashing up on their Apple Watch, half an eye on what other meetings were in the diary for later in the day. And soon enough, you just end up be, being busy and unproductive. Probably that, that difference between hearing and listening. You're hearing what someone's saying, but you're not actually listening. 
That's that's a really powerful thing to consider. Actually, there is a difference between hearing and listening. Helen, would you like to build on that? Yeah, I think I mean, that's so interesting, Andy, that kind of difference between hearing and listening. And I think if you take that a, a step further, I think, you know, when you're in a school, because you are busy, sometimes it is really challenging to listen. And I think, you know, when we think about listening, maybe there are two things that are important. One is about being genuinely interested in the people that you're talking to and genuinely interested in what they've got to say. Um, and I think the other thing is about kind of creating the time and space for people to to kind of have that extended period of, you know, talk with you where you do have chance to listen. And, you know, when we talk about listening, the, the, you know, we have to tie it to things like thinking and we need time to process what we're hearing so creating that space is is really important and, and sometimes you know people talk to you um not necessarily for you just to listen to them but they, they want to be able to just have a chance to hear their own voice and sometimes creating that space for them to voice things and hear themselves is as valuable as you giving a response um i don't know if anybody else would agree with that yeah, I would absolutely. Sorry, Georgie. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Um, it, I mean, it comes to, and um, we'll probably come on to discussing it, but some of it's about like coaching techniques and coaching habits. And as a, a leader or an experienced teacher, you sometimes are expected to have all the answers and you kind of, you're not really listening because in your mind you've already got the answer to tell somebody for what they should go and do. And whereas I think it's in... Uh, the coaching habits, say less, ask more, change the way you lead forever. It talks about if you're that kind of leader, you can become a bit of a bottleneck in your organization. And actually, if you, you know, there's too many people coming to you waiting for decisions, whereas actually if you make the time to stop and ask some questions yourself instead of always firing out answers and create that time for people, you, you build their ability to go and be autonomous and independent and lead without you. Um, and I think that's really valuable, but it just takes time to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, in an educational context, um, we want to develop people who can think and think for themselves and figure things out. So, you know, that might be thinking learners, it might be thinking teachers, it might be thinking associate staff, thinking leaders. And for me, kind of that that whole thing about kind of asking more questions and giving people the space to to figure things out is really important. And, you know, if you take the the coaching approach at a really kind of s simple level, it's about talking to someone and, you know, they, they, they come into your office and they say kind of Andy, 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 um, and they explain a problem. And as a leader, often what we do is we, we kind of go back to saying, well, what you need to do is, and what we do is we tell them what to do. So we're doing all of the thinking for other people. And if we just make a really simple shift to, well, you know, what is it that you what what is it that you've done already? And what is it that you think you need to do now? Again, it's that process of listening, but actually asking someone else to be able to figure that out. I think that it's where where 
where that works really well is it when you manage to build a culture where it's okay to make mistakes. Because I think sometimes where people come into you wanting all the answers, that's sometimes because you've got a bit of a blame culture of, well, I was only doing what somebody else told me. And, you know, if this goes wrong, somebody above me signed that off, somebody above me told me to do that. Whereas if you get your culture right where people can come and say, actually, I've done X, Y, and Z. This is the reasons that I thought that was the best decision. It's not quite worked out. If you're in a culture where that's okay and um, people can have those discussions, then that that's really healthy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we had that really, really well um, in in a previous organisation that I worked for um, a few years back. I worked with a team and we developed a culture where they always knew they could make a decision if for some reason there was um, a negative circumstance from that decision ultimately they knew that I would support them as their leader um, and I think that gave them the empowerment um, and enabled them to think of them feet and actually make them better listeners um, and also better thinkers as part of that process um, so I think that's also provides a, a really kind of um, innovative organisation as well um, when you go through that process. Yeah, absolutely. I think that where the challenge comes for us with that is accepting that that takes time and that it's slow. And sometimes in school we're trying to fix everything and your mind's always on this summer's results and getting this sorted for September and changing this right now. Um, and, and some things need to be quick fixes, like you sometimes you've just got to put things in place right now. But a lot of things, if we maybe just accept actually this is going to take a little bit longer, but doing it in that slower way is going to lead to a more sustainable, better embedded approach in the long term for our school, then that's a really good use of time. Yeah, absolutely. I think that long term bit's again a really interesting piece as well, Andy, about you know, kind of to to get listening to be really purposeful um it, it doesn't always have to be kind of the the quick fix and I think often um when we kind of listen we just want to kind of tick things off a a list don't we as teachers or as as leaders in a school but I think the level of frustration when somebody's not really listening is huge and you know you, you can take that back down to students where you know maybe something has happened in the classroom the teacher hasn't quite seen it kind of right or they've they've misinterpreted it and a student then saying but but it's not fair you're not listening um and that you know that kind of travels all the way from childhood up through to adulthood and when you talk about, um, you know, with, with, with teachers about what makes an effective leader um, or you talk to children about what makes an effective teacher, I think teachers and leaders who listen is always really high on the list of things that people value. Yeah, and we're back to that value piece again, isn't it? It's about treating everybody as an individual Um that self-regulation as well so again really actively listening requires you to self-regulate yourself and 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 not be drawn into sort of emails and and team pop-ups I think we live in um, a constant world of communication now it's a very different world from where it was even five years ago and and there is so much sort of opportunity for distraction but those conversations are important 
being able to um, make sure that you are listening to someone in the moment is actually really, really powerful. And this is almost kind of, you know, putting me in a position where I'm thinking about conversations I've had more recently, actually, where was I truly in the moment? Did I truly, really focus in? And I think we're all probably guilty of that. And I think there are things that we can do, again, if you go back to kind of coaching and and mentoring techniques that really help us to become better listeners so like Andy said if you go to the Michael Bungay Stanya book he talks doesn't he about asking better questions and staying curious just a little bit longer Um, when you watch a skillful listener at work their body language is really positive you know they're looking at the person they've got good eye contact um people will do things like they'll check whether they've understood. So let me just check that and they'll repeat back what they've heard just to make sure that they've, you know, got the right end of the stick, that they've understood what the person is is telling them. And I think when you go back to what Andy said earlier about hearing and listening, um, when someone's hearing something, they often don't use any of those techniques. They don't ask those questions. They don't paraphrase they don't check that they've understood or summarize um and that's where the miscommunication can really happen don't know if 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 that kind of fits with anybody else's experience yeah something i was thinking about recently is um kind of really aligns that george you said we kind of live in this world of constant communication but and schools do most organizations do they they've got constant email traffic there's teams channels there's a daily bulletin there's a briefing there's an intranet with a news page like there's so much communication that actually um maybe it's too much maybe it's information overload and if we do like less communication but better communication that would probably have a more more powerful impact than the constant bombardment of communication yeah and it's the power of the human being as well isn't it you know, we we become more and more reliant on um, texting and uh, messaging rather than actually picking up the telephone and having those conversations. Quite often, you lose the the tonality of a conversation as well. So um, and and can't actually pick up on how anyone's actually feeling. I think that whole thing about kind of reading a person's kind of feelings and emotions and showing maybe some genuine empathy rather than fake empathy as well comes with really good listening doesn't it and you know when you watch kind of people who are really effective whether they're teachers or or leaders um, they're really good at reading the room and being able to kind of take the temperature and they're really good at noticing when they're listening you know is is something not quite right and Again, not jumping to conclusions, but just saying something like, you know, you don't seem yourself. And then just leaving the space for someone to talk and, and listening to them. Um, and I think when that doesn't happen, it's because we are so busy. And there's a you were making me laugh when you were talking about communication. There's a lovely um, quotation from George Bernard Shaw, and it goes something along the lines. I'm going to paraphrase it of, you know, the biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it ever happened. And I think that's so kind of typical of lots of the interactions that we have when it doesn't go right. We think that we've communicated or listened really well, 
but the reality is that we haven't and that gap between perception and reality can often be much bigger than we think it is yeah yeah so so important it's the power of the communication triangle as well I think we've touched on that before so just as we start to to wrap up just thinking around what would your top tips be then Andy for ensuring that we can make sure we're actively listening I think for me it's that um trying to find a way to kind of clear your headspace so that whatever you're doing you're present in that moment with the one thing that you're doing um, and it's so easy to have your head spinning with all the things that are coming later in your day or how full your, your inbox is or whatever projects you're working on but actually being present in the one meeting that you're in in the one conversation that you're having um putting your phone away put like even i think for me going back to a paper diary rather than everything pinging through an outlook constantly messed like buzzing on your watch and your phone and it's just too much like finding a way to be attentive and like really attuned listening and blocking out other things while you're having that one conversation before you then move on to your next thing. Thank you. Helen, you're going to have so many tips here. How long have we got? Yeah, I'm going to go for, for just the one. I think Andy's is a great tip. Um, I think the other one is about kind of your own self-regulation as a listener and, you know, really learning how to sit on your hands and not interrupt somebody and just to give them that space to to have you know to think to say what they want to say to hear their their own voice um is key and you know i think we underestimate people we, people are really good at solving problems um our job is to to give them the space to listen and really empower them to do that absolutely and I I think that that empowerment piece leads into to where I would um, say my key takeaway would be, and that would be around the concept of purposeful listening. So making sure that it's almost a you know a role that you're taking, sitting there, but trying to make sure that you're actively um, engaged in the conversation and uh, and listening very very clearly to what's going on. And I also find things simple things like note taking also help to kind of confirm what what you're thinking and and shutting down some of those communication channels i think some of the most effective communications you can have are on the telephone or face to face or you know on the virtual sort of screen rather than actually trying to communicate things via email and they can get twisted and tonality so for me i think making sure that you listen with purpose uh, would be a, a really, really positive thing. So before we wrap up, is there anything else that either of you'd like to share today around, is anyone listening? And let's hope they are. I think we've kind of talked around it, haven't we, a lot today. But I think, you know, I'll, I'll kind of leave you with, I suppose, a, a, a funny story. I think um, lots of us, when we're listening, or what I would call professional nodders. Um, so we do that kind of nodding as somebody's talking and I think one of the things I always think is be really careful about that professional nodding because people will often think that when you're listening to them that you agree with something that you don't necessarily agree with just because you're nodding along so be really conscious of your body language um, and we always think about don't we eye contact but just be aware of things like that professional nodding because it can be really dangerous <laughs> Be professional nodded but don't don't do it too much don't do it too much that's bless you that's really funny 
Andy, anything else that you'd like to share as we wrap up today? I think we've covered most of it, Georgie. I think it's it's one of those things where um, as soon as we're busy and as soon as the pressure starts to build, it goes out the window. So it's something to just kind of keep revisiting, um, you know, keep making a note, like checking in with yourself. Am I listening? Because it's something we might make a conscious effort to do one day. Right? I think I'm going to be really attentive today. But then the next day, by the time your diary fills up, you've got more projects, more plates to spin suddenly it's gone again and we kind of need to keep revisiting it um, otherwise it will just kind of slip away. Thank you both I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed today's conversation and actually it's made me sort of sit up and think about my active listening so uh, a really good sort of uh, note in the diary there to uh, reflect on on self-regulation and, and in our next podcast we're going to be unpacking and discussing the third edge habit which we've we've got lined up for you um, and that is around keeping your tank full. So we're doing a lot at the moment around mental well-being. We've got Positive Classroom Partnership, which is focusing in on um, well-being within education. And as an educator, we're hearing a lot about it. And we often think it refers to other people and spending time looking after the well-being of others. However, how do you actually focus in on yourself? How do you make sure that your tank is full? It's important to keep your engine running smoothly and that you know that you're okay. Um, so next week, we're going to pick up some top tips and think about how we can actually make sure that we're ready for the day and that we're keeping our tank full um, and positive behaviours to make sure that we're looking after our own well-being and modelling best practice for others again. You can pick up our After the Bell podcast, which are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts, Helen, Andy and, and other guests that are joining us um, throughout the year. And these are focused around all things educational. And you can listen to them on your daily commute when you're walking the dog or, as Andy likes me to say, when I'm cooking the dinner. This has been After the Bell and thank you for joining us today. Thank you.